0: From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendlypeopleatchurchescare.com. At ChurchesCare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. ChurchesCare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit ChurchesCare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you.
1: Welcome everyone to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject of today's show is Atlantis and Lumeria. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it.
2: We choose a subject, then research it. And based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers.
1: Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into the subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize. Neither of us have any particular knowledge of studies into the possible existence of Atlantis or Lumeria. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. And much of the content for today is based on two novels that are listed under science fiction authored by a person who claims that the content was provided through psychic channeling. We urge listeners to trust their intuition in listening to this episode, especially as there appears to be few facts to go on. Also, we discuss an event that goes against everything written in the history books about when humans first walked the earth. Again, we urge listeners to trust their own intuition, as well as conducting their own
2: research. Today, we're going to discuss Atlantis and Lemuria, Atlantis has been mentioned in another episode of Too Good to be True, so maybe it's time to look at the stories of the lost civilizations of Atlantis and Lemuria, especially as there appears to be so much interest in the subject of Atlantis.
1: I don't think we need to mention that an episode on ancient civilizations was your idea. I think a lot of people have heard of Atlantis, but not so many have heard of Lemuria. Why don't you give us a quick description of what could be true for both lost continents?
2: Let's start with Lemuria and look in Wikipedia, as Lemuria is the lesser known of the two. Quote, Lemuria is the name of a now discredited 19th century scientific theory, which posted, posited rather, a lost land located either in the Indian or Pacific Ocean. The idea was then adopted by the occultists of the time and consequently has been incorporated into pop culture. End quote. With that stunning dismissal of Lemuria, the following is a quote from a Wikipedia article regarding Atlantis. Quote, Atlantis is a fictional island mentioned within an allegory on the hubris of nations in Plato's works, Timaeus and Critias, where it represents the antagonistic naval power that besieges ancient Athens, the pseudo-historic embodiment of Plato's ideal state. In the story, Athens repels the Atlantean attack unlike any other nation of the known world, supposedly giving testament to the superiority of Plato's concept of a state. The story concludes with Atlantis falling out of favor with the deities and submerging into the Atlantic Ocean, end quote. An allegory of the hubris of nations in plain English means a story with a moral centered on the self pride of nations.
1: If we go by Wikipedia, then there isn't much to discuss. Lemuria has been discredited as never have existing, and Atlantis is merely a fictional island.
2: I think there may be a lot more to discuss, again, starting with Lemuria. As recently as January of 2017, the New Scientist magazine published an article entitled Long Lost Continent Found Submerged Deep Under Indian Ocean. I will quote from the article, quote, An ancient continent that was once sandwiched between India and Madagascar now lies scattered on the bottom of the Indian Ocean. The first clues to the continent's existence came when some parts of the Indian Ocean were found to have a stronger gravitational field than others, indicating thicker crusts. One theory was that chunks of land had sunk and become attached to the ocean crust below. Uh, Mauritius was one place with a powerful gravitational pull. In 2013, Louis Ashwal at the University of Wilt Waters Rand in South Africa and his colleagues proposed that the volcanic island was sitting on a piece of old sunken continent. Although Mauritius is only 8 million years old, some zircon crystals on the island's beaches are almost 2 billion years old. Volcanic eruptions may have ejected the zircon from ancient rock below. Now Ashwal and his team have found zircon crystals in Mauritius, They're up to 3 billion years old. Through detailed analysis, they have reconstructed the geological history of the Lost Continent, which they named Mauritius. Mauritius is an island nation located in the Indian Ocean about 700 miles or 1,100 kilometers east of Madagascar, which is the large island off the east coast of Africa towards the south of the continent.
1: That's interesting, but there is a problem. The existence of Lumeria would be fairly meaningless for this discussion if not inhabited by people. If we are talking about older than 8 million years, there wouldn't be any people. It was only about 200,000 years ago when Homo sapiens or modern humans like us evolved. So there weren't any humans like us on Earth until relatively recently.
2: That's interesting because I was going to talk about the people of Atlantis from 9 million years ago.
1: How do you know that there were people in Atlantis 9 million years ago?
2: I don't know. It's all based on works of fiction. I was going on the background behind two novels by author Phyllis Craddock, which was the real name of a famous British television cook, Fanny Craddock. She was so well known that John Lennon yelled out, Fanny Craddock, Fanny Craddock, when recording the Helter Skelter track from the Beatles' White Album.
1: That's a weird connection. So there was a television cook who wrote books about Atlantis.
2: She was on British television from the 1950s to the 1970s, and towards the end of the run, when she needed an assistant, she was notorious for regularly firing every one of them. Before then, she and her partner Johnny appeared together. He wore formal evening wear and an eyeglass. They also wrote a newspaper column and put on theatrical productions involving feeding the audience. For the television shows, Fanny used to give Johnny all sorts of grief on camera about how he was doing everything wrong. Johnny usually took care of selecting and serving the wine. The running joke was that he consumed a bottle or two off camera just to get through a recording.
1: So how could you take any of this seriously?
2: You really can't at face value, except that the writing of the two novels is of such a high standard and in a unique old fashioned style. It would take someone like an English professor to write like that. Uh, she claimed, that's uh, Phyllis Craddock, that she didn't write them the novels and wouldn't accept royalties from the sales of the novels.
1: Now things are getting stranger. Why did Phyllis Craddock use her name as the author of the books if she didn't write them?
2: Craddock claims that the books were channeled through her by a priest called Amartis from Atlantis 9 million years ago. In the novels at the beginning, Amartis was a high priest of Atlantis, in the second novel, he resigns as high priest to become advisor to the High Council, which was the head of government. The novels were entitled The Gateway to Remembrance, published in 1949, and The Eternal Echo, published in 1950. A third novel, The Immortal Voyage, was in preparation, but never published. The backdrop to the storylines in both novels is Spiritual Degeneration and the Decline of Atlantis. The two novels were critically acclaimed.
1: But all we have so far is a sunken island called Mauritius that might be Lumuria, which is actually older than 8 million years. We also have a British television personality from decades ago, claiming to channel very good books from 9 million years ago from Atlantis. But although the times in history are similar, but the planet didn't have any people on it that long ago.
2: That's where Jonathan Gray comes in.
1: Who is Jonathan Gray?
2: He's a kind of Indiana Jones character, but from New Zealand. He has appeared on the X Zone radio show with Rob McConnell.
1: This must be leading to the idea that people were on the planet long before 200,000 years ago.
2: Yes, Jonathan Gray has offered a book called Dead Men's Secrets, which includes more than 1,000 artifacts of lost science and technology. The book strongly suggests that civilization existed on the planet long before 200,000 years ago.
1: Are there any objects that he has discovered that are eight or nine million million years old that could have only been made by an advanced civilization?
2: As we are talking about people, there's an article by Jonathan Gray on the ancient Patriarch's website that states that in 1969, a body of a woman in a marble casket was found in a coal bed 76 yards or 70 meters below the surface in the village of Rashavchik in Russia. To be at a depth, the body must have been buried 800 million years ago. The body was completely preserved by being submerged in a bluish-pink liquid in the marble casket. The body looked like that of any modern female, about 30 years old, dressed in a white lace dress with short sleeves embroidered with colorful flowers.
1: That sounds like something that should have made headline news, unless it is all made up, which sounds rather likely. But what were the supposed circumstances?
2: The story goes that the local newspaper only included three lines on the finding of an archaeological relic. That was after the military moved in, took the marble casket and its contents away, filled in the site, and banned onlookers. Then anyone who told the story publicly apparently died soon after.
1: Well, that's an interesting discovery, but we'll have to continue discussing this and more about Atlantis and Lumeria after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Zone Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net.
3: Call 213 401 0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213 401 0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci fi radio programming anywhere, 24 7 365.
4: You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand
1: Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing possible evidence of a coffin that held a body that was older than 200,000 years ago. So, based on Jonathan Gray's body of work, that that there is evidence of people living on Earth millions of years ago, even if the story of 800 million-year-old woman may not be true. But what scientific evidence is there for the existence of Atlantis?
2: There seems to be many possibilities of where Atlantis could have been situated. The most recent claim was for Spain. In 2017, the documentary Atlantis Rising, shown on the National Geographic Channel, looked at various sites around the Mediterranean, including a large marsh in the Donano National Park in southern Spain. The marsh was once an open bay near the, the Straits of Gibraltar, which as a bay fits in with Plato's description of Atlantis.
1: If we don't have a clear idea of where Atlantis may have been located based on scientific evidence, why don't you summarize the sleeping prophet Edgar Cayce's information included in the previous episode?
2: These are the major points. Uh, Edgar Cayce, in a reading, said that Atlantis occupied the area between the Gulf of Mexico and the Mediterranean. Uh, Edgar Cayce predicted that the lost city of Atlantis would be discovered and the Bimini Road would be found at a particular time.
1: So, different possible sites for Atlantis can be explained by Atlantis being the size of a continent rather than a small island. Different sites might just be different scattered locations associated with the lost continent.
2: That fits in with Edgar Casey revealing that Atlantis occupied something like the width of the Atlantic Ocean.
1: The Bimini Road, which was discovered in 1968, is a relic of Atlantis, according to Edgar Casey.
2: Yeah, here's a quote from the unexplained mysteries website regarding Casey's revelation quote in 1933 edgar casey during one of his trance states said that records from atlantis still existed where a portion of the temples may yet be discovered under the slime of ages of seawater near what is known as bermini the little island was not atlantis itself explained but its outposts known many thousand years ago as alta extending to east coast of Florida and, and part of a wider Atlantean administration known as Poseidia, comprising the Lesser Antilles. In 1940, in 1940 the sleeping prophet predicted Poseidia will be among the first portion of Atlantis to rise again, expected in 68 and 69, not so far away. The so-called Bimini Road was in fact discovered in 1968 by Maverick archaeologist Mason Valentine, while looking for Atlantean remains around the island in the hopes of confirming Casey's prophecy. End quote. Here's another quote from the same source. The Lucayans referred to in the quote were the indigenous people living in the Bahamas before the Europeans arrived. Quote, the origin and meaning of Bimini are unknown. However, the name appears in the ancient Egyptian language as Bamini, which means homage to the soul of men. Min was the Egyptian's divine protector of travellers on far off journeys, a particularly appropriate god to be worshipped at distant Bomini, if indeed the island had been visited by, by voyagers from the Nile Valley. Material evidence for an Egyptian, or at any rate an Egyptian like presence in the Western Atlantic, appeared during the late 1930s, when James Lockwood Jr., an American archaeology archaeologist in Haiti, saw a stone statue of the ancient Egyptian god of the dead, Anubis that had been discovered an on an offshore island. The Lycaeans knew for many as Gonchani, another curious connection with the ancient world, because the name translates as the island of men in the language of the Gonches. These were native inhabitants of the Canary Islands off the northwest coast of North Africa until their utter demise at the hands of the Spanish in the 15th and 16th centuries." End quote. If Atlantis spanned the Atlantic, presumably there would be no great ocean between parts of Africa and parts of North America. So there is some consistency between the the possible size and location of Atlantis with the apparent connections to Egypt and the Canary Islands. We shouldn't forget the two sunken pyramids discovered only recently close to the Bahamas. That might indicate a connection with the pyramids in Egypt.
1: After all of that, the existence of Atlantis is based on the writings of Plato, cultural connections across the Atlantic, the readings of Prophet Edgar Casey, and a lot of conjecture. Also, according to Edgar Casey Association for Research and Enlightenment website, the timeline was from 210,000 BCE to 10,014 BCE, divided into three periods. The early formative centuries, the middle struggling centuries of increasing self-awareness resulting in rising selfishness, the final migration period, as Atlantis sank in stages.
2: That timeline fits into the accepted idea for people having existed on Earth, but maybe not with geological time. There is a huge difference between Casey's timeline and that claimed by Phyllis Craddock for her novels. But sinking in stages, as we will see, seems to generally fit in with Craddock's novels.
1: So how is Atlantis described in the two novels by Phyllis Craddock?
2: As an island continent in the second novel, The Eternal Echo, in that novel and the first novel, Gateway to Remembrance, uh, distance is not described in dimensions like miles, but only in terms of how long to get to a different place on foot or by other means. By the end of the first book, the island's geography had changed due to a volcanic eruption and tidal wave. That was the first disaster of three, according to the second novel. The four to the first novel provides the idea that the first disaster could be thought of in in modern terms as an atomic explosion.
1: We hear stories of advanced technology in Atlantis, including nuclear weapons and genetic engineering. What was the technology like in Atlantis, as included in the two novels?
2: Transport was by foot or horseback, or for the rulers in the main city, litters or sedan chairs. There was use of boats for all the normal purposes. Weapons were hand weapons like knives or swords. They had wine to drink and baked bread. They had temples, gardens, fountains, and administrative buildings. The buildings, as described, were sophisticated, like Roman buildings. The major staples were fish, birds, and fruit. They held feasts just like the Romans. Unlike the Romans, there was no military or no mention of money. There There were constant references to music and musical instruments.
1: What is the writing like?
2: Very old-fashioned and difficult to read. Quoting large passages from it would be pointless.
1: Why don't you give an example?
2: I'll keep it short. This is from page one of Gateway to Remembrance. You need to have a dictionary on hand to follow the text. The following quote refers to the state capitol building. Quote, High above the slender pediment facing over the great gardens and a sweeping city, the sun inviolate of shadows poured down upon the words inscribed upon the tablet by free will chosen of the people towards the highest in the service to the father, mother, God, which in the all seeing eye is vested in first service towards all man and womankind, end quote. A pediment is typically the triangle gable placed across vertical col- columns as seen in classical Greek or Roman architecture. So the front of the building has the all seeing eye, which is a constant for the Atlanteans That subscribe to highly spiritual beliefs but the island was called atlos alameasius which is stated as being an early name for atlantis it is worth mentioning uh, the forward written by the public it is worth mentioning the foreword written by the publisher it talks about spiritual decadence leading to the breakdown of civilization in atlantis as being a lesson for the modern age
1: how was atlantis run as described in the two novels who were the rulers
2: Atlantis in the novels was run by the adjudicators and the administrators, who had villas in the capital building in the central city. There were seven adjudicators in chiefs, making up the high council, which was the head of government. The high council was in, was in place by free choice of the people, implying that there were a, a, that these were officials uh, elected or somehow appointed by the people.
1: What was the geography of the island?
2: The island was described as vast, washed up by tremendous seas. In the north were the salt mines. There was a great belt of forest towards the east, with the vine country towards the west. There were two large rivers that converged on the central city at the heart of the island. This was the centre of government. The central city was surrounded by hills. The two rivers widened as they flowed to the south, where there were grain belts, vineyards, or- orchards, and grazing land. At the southeast of the island, there There was desolation surrounding the cone of the volcano. Further south was tropical jungle with rare fruit. The shape of the island was not described, but given the changes in vegetation and presumably climate, it must have been quite large.
1: How did the Atlanteans dress?
2: In the novels, they wore long white robes, but that was only true for the leading group of Atlanteans.
1: White robes with Greek or Roman architecture that fits in with lots of modern images of Atlantis. Why don't you explain the differences between the different groups of Atlanteans?
2: The group ruling Atlantis had what they called sixth sense, meaning they had psychic abilities. The main temple was not only staffed by priests, but also by psychic mediums who worked the priests notably for the irradiation ritual. The Atlantean psychic abilities included nonverbal communication, clairvoyance, and the ability to read other people's auras. There's also reference to the Akashic records, accessible mediums or possibly in dreams. The Akashic records are believed by many modern spiritualists and psychics to document everyone's past and possible future lifetimes.
1: Before the break here, tell a little bit about the irradiation ritual, please.
2: Yeah, I'll get started. In the temple in the central city under the single all-sing eye, I, I, there was music with incense being burned with a medium taking a place in a designated chair. There were white flowers everywhere. The music involved priests and mediums humming a melody uh, influenced by harmonies from a fourth dimension. I think we're gonna have to leave it there.
1: Yes, we'll have to continue describing what the supposed irradiation ritual was after this short break and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exit Zone broadcast network, www.xzbn.net Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing what Atlantis was like according to the two novels. And Dad, you were just talking about the irradiation ritual and was discussing what that was like.
2: Yes, all the mediums seemed to be female while all the priests seemed to be male. The head medium would then address the father, mother, God and rededicate the people to their God while asking for re-empowerment for the people to serve in the right way. Then a silver thread would appear attaching... The medium spirit to the to the body, and uh, the the spirit the spirit of the medium would leave her body. then a new spirit would appear, illuminated by a white and blue light coming from the physical body of the medium. The spirit message a messenger from the father mother God, touched a cup in front of the two high priests, giving the contents enduring strength of love, and offered the cup to the priest to drink from. Then the spirit would irradiate the masses inside and outside the temple by providing a sacrament of purification. The spirit messenger then faded with the medium's spirit returning to her body.
1: So the radiation ritual included a mass exposure to a spirit with a reinforcement of spiritual beliefs. But what is reading other people's auras?
2: The aura is the energetic field around people. Reading an aura is, is seeing different colors in a field about 6 to 18 inches or 15 to 45 centimeters from the body. A vibrant color means spiritual awareness. The existence of auras is, in, is included in Egyptian and Hindu traditions.
1: What other aspects of spiritualistic beliefs do the Lantians believe in?
2: There are constant references to reincarnation and to the current incarnation. Death is described as leaving the incarnation with implication that life is eternal. Karma is mentioned, including karma being passed on from previous incarnations.
1: What was different about the other group?
2: That group was called the Emancipates who had denied sixth sense psychic powers um, to have in their mind freedom to live in a mortal fashion. They were intent on enjoying life without allegiance to a temple or belief in any God. They had lots of jewels, brightly colored clothes, a more varied diet by keeping domesticated animals and apparently had little respect for marriage.
1: How do the two groups coexist?
2: The Emancipates had to carry with them an identification showing that they did not follow temple laws, had vowed not to follow the father, mother, God, and would not take a radiation. That was known as being forsworn. The leader of the Emancipates every year had to enter the great council chamber and declare their different way... Of life, The emancipates generally stayed in their own area of the island, east of the belt of forests. The arrangement was that if the emancipates kept their views themselves and didn't try to defy those who followed the temple laws, then there would be no action taken against them.
1: Did the emancipates get tired of being outsiders and rebel?
2: There was no uprising from the emancipates until a misguided attempt in the second novel that ended just as it got started. The first novel centered on an attempt to overthrow the great council by priests that had turned to what was called the left-handed path. The conventional priests in the temple in Central City and other locations follow what was termed the right-handed path. The emancipates wanted nothing to do with either path. In the city of Calemni, to the north of the Central City, a ritual including a mass orgy in a temple celebrating negative behavior was arranged. The ritual was led by a turn priest called Many, who attempted with the help of evil spirits on the lowest plains to destroy by psychic means the rulers and priests of Atlantis during the ritual. However, the ritual was interrupted by an adjudicator-in-chief from the High Council in disguise, who used his psychic powers to kill Many and others, in- ending the ritual. In doing so, the adjudicator-in-chief died owing to the tremendous stress on his body. There was mass panic, and many were killed in, in the stampede to get out of the temple.
1: What happened after the overthrow was unaccess- unsuccessful?
2: The spirit of the dead adjudicated chief summoned by a medium provided an explanation for the events. The remaining perpetrators were tracked down and put to death. While tracking down those responsible was still going on, the volcano at the southeast of the island erupted with a tidal wave flooding the forest to the east side of the island, along with loss of life. At that point, the first novel ends.
1: What is in the next novel?
2: The Eternal Echo continues 20 years after the volcanic eruption. The flooding of the forest isolates the emancipates. They have no lumber to build ships. Life continues but with increasing apathy towards the temple and its traditions. There was less interest in attending irradiations for conventional Atlanteans.
1: What actually happens in the second novel?
2: An evil mastermind who was an emancipate pretending to be a legitimate Atlantean leader from the southern city built a secret research laboratory and developed a poison to commit mass murder by poisoning the water supply. An antidote against the poison was also created so they could drink the same water. The evil mastermind was apparently following the left-handed path. This individual wanted to take power for the emancipates by poisoning the rulers of Atlantis.
1: What happened? Was there a civil war?
2: As all of this was happening, unseasonal rain started and continued with flooding throughout the entire island continent up to the rooftops in the central city. The evil mastermind is then killed by the emancipate leader after he found out his the, his true nature of following the left-handed path. The mass poisoning doesn't happen, happen with the novel ending with a group of seven younger individuals setting sail from the central city to the north, with a view to a permanent settlement elsewhere. The storyline makes sense for the third title that was in preparation but wasn't published, and that was The Immortal Voyage.
1: Was there any mention of Lumiria in either of the novels?
2: Its existence is mentioned in The Eternal Echo, but there is no detail given at all.
1: On the subject of Lumuria, what do we know about how their home was destroyed?
2: Nothing really, but The naming of Lumeria or Lemuria is interesting. There is no good explanation for the distribution of lemurs from Africa to India and beyond. These are the small primates with the beady eyes and long tails. Because of the distribution of lemurs, there was a suggestion of a landmass in the Indian Ocean between Madagascar and India millions of years ago. Lemuria is named after lemurs.
1: Is there any information available about people living in Lumeria?
2: I couldn't find much at all. There are people who believe they have had pa- a past life in Lemuria and all sorts of psychics or mediums who claim to have information about the lost island. Apparently, for thousands of years, Polynesians have related the story of a Pacific continent that was once the motherland of mankind. Lemuria is considered to be the home of a root race, according to the book, The Secret Doctrine, written in 1888 by Helena Vladvatsky. The landmass was situated in the Indian Ocean, according to Lovatsky, existing approximately 100, uh, 150 million years ago.
1: Did you find anything about Lumuria rising again?
2: I couldn't find anything of real substance as a prediction. But where I live was once the ocean floor, given the sandy soil. So if you wait long enough in terms of millions of years, uh, some places may rise from the ocean floor.
1: There seems to be a lot of unknowns about Atlantis and Lemuria even if they actually existed. I think it's time to ask the first question.
2: Yes, is there a long lost continent underwater in the Indian Ocean in the Indian Ocean located between India and Madagascar?
1: There's land that has sunk into the ocean, yes.
2: Is that lost continent what remains of Lemuria? Yes. Was the lost continent dry land 8 millions or more years ago? Yes. Was the sinking of the lost continent just part of a normal geological process on planet Earth? No. So there was an event that caused the continent of Lemuria to sink? Correct. Was it the result of the actions of the inhabitants of Lemuria?
1: Yes, the action of the peoples and also the actions of the Earth.
2: Who inhabited Lemuria?
1: Ancient peoples.
2: Were the two novels by Phyllis Craddock channeled by an Atlantean priest from 9 million years ago? Yes. Why was the style of English so hard to follow?
1: Because from the channeling, the English was not the same as today. So in a lot of channeling sessions, English isn't exactly the same, unless whoever you are channeling actually has knowledge of today's English. So that's a problem since even in some channeling sessions, the language may not come over in
2: English. Why wasn't the third novel, The Immortal Voyage, published?
1: It had more private and personal information that wasn't ready for the public.
2: Uh, I've already asked a similar question, but did civilization exist on the planet long before 200,000 years ago? Yes. Was a marble casket from 800 million years ago found in the Russian coal mine? Yes. Was there a body of a modern-looking female in the casket? Yes. Why did the authorities rush in and cover up the story?
1: Because discoveries like that aren't ready for the public to see or hear about. And the problem is that there's a lot of discoveries that have a lot of unanswered questions and it is easier to cover those up than release the information and cause panic.
2: What happened to the casket with a body in it?
1: It's kept in a government facility.
2: Did Atlantis occupy the area between the Gulf of Mexico and the Mediterranean?
1: You could call it Atlantis, yes.
2: Is the Bimini Road a remnant of Atlantis? Yes. Are there portions of temples temples from Atlantis still to be recovered?
1: Yes, but they are very very deep in the ocean, so it would take a lo- lot of advancements in technology to actually recover them.
2: Is there a connection between the Bimini and ancient uh, between Bimini and ancient Egypt or is the name Bimini just a coincidence?
1: That's a coincidence.
2: Is the discovery of the stone statue of the Egyptian god of the dead, Anubis, found in Haiti in the late nineteen thirties, evidence of contact between ancient Atlanteans and ancient Egyptians?
1: Yes, but the contact wasn't completely direct, so there were more subtle messages left between the civilizations.
2: For our the next question, Justine, I think you should take us into the break.
1: Yes, we'll continue with the psychic insight and the questions after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True, which is Tina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net.
0: WilliamSPeckham.com.
1: Welcome back to Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions and the psychic insight about Atlantis and Lumeria. So, Dad, can you please continue with the questions?
2: Yes. Um, Was there contact between Atlanteans and the Guanches, the former native people of the Canary Islands?
1: Yes.
2: Is there any connection between the two sunken pyramids discovered recently close to the Bahamas and the pyramids in Egypt?
1: There is a relationship, yes.
2: Did Atlantis exist between two thousand and ten thousand BCE and 10,014 BCE?
1: Approximately, yes.
2: That's where I'm getting confused. The philisocratic novels were channeled from 9 million years ago were they channeled from an earlier age of Atlantis?
1: So the problem is that time isn't what time is today. So the years weren't constructed yet. So it was in present time in their minds. So that's the problem with the history books and even our records, is that when the record keepers were keeping records back then, time wasn't as it is today. So yes, you could say that it was an earlier part of Atlantis, but the estimations are partly correct and partly incorrect since any estimation would be incorrect since time didn't exist yet.
2: So it was an earlier stage of Atlantis when time was not recorded?
1: Correct, yes.
2: Were there three periods in the history of Atlantis, the early formative centuries, the middle struggling centuries of increasing self-awareness resulting in rising selfishness and the final migration period as Atlantis sank in stages? Yes. I think I've already asked this, but how could Atlantis be no more than 210,000 years old, as described by Edgar Cayce, when the Craddock novels were apparently channeled from someone living 9 million years ago?
1: Time really wasn't a construct yet. Humans were still trying to figure out time and how to record time. So a lot of the dates are confused and not actually completely correct.
2: Did Atlantis have sophisticated technologies like nuclear weapons or genetic engineering?
1: They had their own group of technology and were very advanced for a civilization that was a long time ago.
2: Did misuse of advanced technology result in the destruction of Atlantis?
1: Misuse, greed, jealousy, anger, a bunch of negative emotions is what destroyed not only Atlantis but a lot of the people.
2: In the forward to the first novel there is a warning that what happened to Atlantis could happen to us today. Does that mean there is a warning from ancient Atlantis? Bingo. Was the Atlantean civilization described in the Philistocratic novels like the Roman civilization in terms of architecture, transport on on foot or on horseback, the making of wine, and the food eating?
1: Yes and no. So they had other technology. They were also experimenting with different transportation, including crystal transportation. So yes, a lot of the so-called normal people did use normal means of transportation, but there are also different experiments with more advanced technology that doesn't exist in forms today.
2: What was the significance of the all-seeing eye?
1: It represents not only the third eye, so enlightenment, becoming one with oneself, self-love, self-worth, and overall peace. And also the all-seeing means connecting to each other and connecting all humans to each other.
2: Did the the Atlanteans hold feasts like the Romans did?
1: Yes, all the time.
2: Was Atlas Alamosius an early name for Atlantis?
1: In a different language. In English, it sounds different, but that's the gist of it.
2: Was the, Adler, uh, the, Adler, was the early Atlantis, as in the two novels, destroyed by the spiritual decadence of its two, of its people?
1: For the most part, yes.
2: Did Atlantis recover and go on after the time frame of the two novels?
1: So for a while there, there was a big downfall, and some different people stepped in. But then the downfall became greater, and that ended Atlantis eventually. So there were periods of time where there was this up and down, where things got better, things got worse, but ultimately it all went bad.
2: Was Atlantis governed by a high council of seven adjudicators in chief?
1: There were more than seven.
2: How could Atlantis be an island continent if, only, if it only had two major rivers and only had a few cities, as described in the two phyllis craddock novels?
1: So the size is pretty massive. So that's the problem of any kind of channeling, especially with people from the past, is there's always going to be a kind of bias from the people channeling. Since in their mind it seems small, but when Edgar Casey discussed Atlantis, it seemed very large. So there's this bias of what's large and what's small. But in regards to how large it was, it was basically between their two concepts. So it wasn't spanning the whole ocean, but it wasn't all so very tiny either.
2: Did Atlanteans following the temple law dress only in white robes?
1: There are other colors too, so not just white.
2: Did the Atlanteans following the temple law have a sixth sense with psychic abilities, including non-verbal communication, clairvoyance, and the ability to read other people's auras?
1: Yes, for all of the above.
2: Did some Atlanteans have access to the Akashic records?
1: Yes, but they were granted special access.
2: Did some Atlanteans take part in a a radiation rituals, which included the use of a medium to act as a vessel for a spirit messenger from the Father Mother God? Yes. Did some Atlanteans believe in reincarnation and existence of karma?
1: Yes, and also the concept of everything having energy and being able to manipulate and see this energy.
2: Was there a group of Atlanteans known as the Emancipates that didn't believe in the Atlantean religion?
1: It really wouldn't be called a religion, but more of a way of life. But yes, there was a a group of people who disagreed.
2: Was there an attempted overthrow of the rulers of Atlantis by priests following the left-handed path using evil and psychic powers?
1: Yes, and manipulation.
2: Did the emancipates want nothing of any religion, including both the right-handed path and the left-handed path? Yes. Did the people of Atlantis become less interested interested in religious beliefs?
1: Not really religious beliefs, but they became more interested in their own ways and not having as many rules. So that's the problem with a lot of societies is that when there's so many rules put into place, people start to rebel.
2: Did an evil mastermind following a left-handed path want to take power for the Emancipates by poisoning the rulers of Atlantis?
1: Poisoning, spiritual attacks, etc. So there is many warfare tactics used.
2: Did continuous excessive rainfall flood Atlantis? No. Did seven young people depart Atlantis in a ship to find a new home?
1: There are more than seven.
2: Were the people of Atlantis aware of Lemuria?
1: yes and no they heard rumors of it but no one had really visited it
2: Phyllis this credit was a household nine name in her time as a television broadcaster and was obviously highly eccentric she also had this connection with atlantis why was this unlikely combination possible
1: because the thing is that every person that is chosen to channel has some special characteristic or ability so it took someone who is very eccentric to actually be able to channel and to be able to share the information. So if you went to someone who is quote unquote normal and lived an everyday life and was somewhat boring, they wouldn't have even written down the information or tried to channel.
2: Why is there so little information about Lemuria?
1: Because it's not the time for the information. So some of the greatest mysteries are best kept as unknown.
2: Was Lemuria the continent that was, was Lemuria the continent that was the motherland of mankind, as related in stories by the Polynesians, or home of the root race, according to the book The Secret Doctrine, written by Helena Blavatsky?
1: Yes and no. There is a lot in ancient history that still needs to come out, and there's going to be a lot of new information about mankind and the start of mankind.
2: Will Atlantis or Lemuria rise again as a landmass?
1: If they do, it won't be for a very long time. And the problem is that once a landmass sinks, it's very hard for it to rise again.
2: Well, that was the last answer. Uh, were the existence of the ancient civilizations of Atlantis and Lemuria too good to be true?
1: That depends on what you are prepared to believe.
2: What are your thoughts on Atlantis and Lemuria?
1: My problem is that before this week, I hadn't really thought about Atlantis and hardly knew about Lemuria. I probably need a long time to take all this in. And I really don't know what to think. Ancient civilizations are more of your area of interest, not really mine.
2: Reading the two novels set in Atlantis was hard going, although the storytelling was very good. Nowhere in the body of either novel does it say that negativity and apathy led to natural disasters. As mentioned, the foreword to the first novel spells that out. So
1: the novels were providing the story that the people's way of life and the events in Atlantis influenced the natural disasters.
2: Yes, and at the end of both the novels, it didn't matter if you were a hero or anti-hero or neither. The natural disasters were going to harm you if you were in the way. What I found most interesting was that in the negative ritual in the first novel, the claim was made by the leader of the evil priest that ridding the leaders of Atlantis with their spirituality would lead to greater freedom. The observation was made that the opposite was true. Following the path of evil would lead to tyranny and loss of freedom.
1: It sounds like you enjoyed reading the novels.
2: Yes, I did, and they contain plot lines that had you turning pages. I didn't really discuss those plot lines. On that note, on that note I think it's time to mention a new website.
1: Yes, so we have a website, it's www.togoodtobetrue.net and the first two is spelled T-W-O, so it's T-W-O-G-O-O-D-T-O-B-E-T-R-U-E, so too good to be true.net, and you can find recordings of all the shows there along with contact information. So if you don't have a Facebook or don't use your Facebook since a lot of things are going on with social media right now, You can still make a suggestion for a future show if you're interested in more hearing about Atlantis, ancient civilizations. I know, Dad, you'd be really happy about more shows like that. Or if you have some other topic suggestions that you would like to send us, or if you just have a comment on the show, you wanna share your insight, you wanna start a conversation about any of our shows.
2: Well, thanks, Justina. And uh, again, I think we didn't have many facts, so uh, use your intuition and uh, believe what you wanna believe.
1: Yes, as always, uh, base your beliefs on your intuition and as always, thank you to all the listeners and we appreciate everyone that's listening and as always, we'll talk to you next week.